Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the week of uh, June 22nd, 2018. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Hi, Dave. Ben. Yo, what's up? And Aaron is somewhere between the couch cushions or something. We'll we'll find him. What's that down below with the PS2? <laughs> As always, you can find show notes at www.projectharuni.net uh, or at uh, audioentropy.com. I'll get it. It's fine. Do I need to make a bakacast.com website so you can just you know have this all flowing? I still want the bakacast.moe. We can do that. Hi, Aaron. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it is uh, it is now time. It's, well, it's not now, but it's almost time for a uh, for the sum for the summer season. So we will go ahead and uh, do the previews here. We're not going to do the detailed previews we have in the past because. Uh, Fabulous Boo made the very good point that it's far too long, and honestly, I don't want to spend an hour and a half on previews either. Nope. So we're just going to look at a selection of things that we are interested in, and sort of why we're interested in them. Uh, starting out with Attack on Titan Season 3, which, even though I have been down on Attack on Titan, uh, Season 3 uh, covers the parts of the manga that I found genuinely interesting. Um, it kind of that's kind of the point where it broke away from like the trying to exploit the shock value of the imagery um, and actually like did stuff with the world and the politics. And I actually really liked that particular arc. So I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, yes. Hmm. Very much so. Uh, Ooh, and it's going to be, it looks like it's going to be 24 episodes, too. So, yeah, yeah they'll probably like get to, they'll probably, yeah, they'll probably get up to the, yeah, they'll probably get <laughs> up to the, up to the part where things really go, really Yeah, change. you're trying to find a way that's of saying it without really saying it. Yeah, I know, I know what you're getting at, though. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, there, like there's kind of a part that turns the whole thing on its head, and it's very interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, um, looks like it starts the end of July. Yeah, so, uh, we're also getting FLCL Alternative, uh, near the end of the summer season. Um... Which obviously we'll be checking that out. Uh, going down this list again, um, Banana Fish from Mappa uh, is one that has potential uh, due to the source material. Um, though the actual like animation style I see in the PV isn't super impressive, um, and the colors feel kind of flat to me. Huh. But hopefully the actual, like, um, uh, narrative will sort of make up for it. A reference to, uh, uh yeah, the, looks like the, I mean, the preview, uh, let's see, the, let's see, a reference to Vietnam there. So it looks like they're probably going to be setting it in the 80s, which is when the original manga came out. Yeah, yeah, so uh, it's based on a, a pretty well-regarded 90s manga uh, being directed by Hiroko Utsumi, who, uh, uh, was from Kyoto Animation. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's mostly just that the uh, the promotional material just doesn't the aesthetic doesn't look that great. Um, but hopefully, again, that the actual content of the show sort of makes up for that. Yeah. Um, I, ne- I never read. I never read the original, so uh, I'll be going into it relatively fresh. Me either, but that's not surprising. Uh, Aaron, I think you were going to watch Happy Sugar Life for uh, it, the it thrill is, of it. It is truly an incredible story. Um, I would highly recommend it. And don't at, troll our at, listeners. At Aaron, least watch please. one episode. Don't listen to him. He's evil. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, uh, yes, I've read the manga, and I am definitely interested to see what they do with it. See, Ben likes it. Well, I yeah, have... Yeah, but he's not saying Shut it's up, good. Shut up, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's definitely not light entertainment, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, with, with a write-up like this, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, look, if you're going to watch it, I'm not going to bother watching it. But if you do, just realize you're probably not going to get into anything that's, like, actual quality. And you're more going in for the spectacle. Um, uh, ben, I believe you were uh, uh, looking forward to High School Girl? High School high Girl. High Score Girl. I'm not high, sure why I said yes, High School Girl. High Score Girl. It's, <laughs> I mean, I've... Been, I've I've been I mean, maybe I've read he's the, interested I've in read the manga for that too. and I really liked it. <laughs> so Look, I'm see. not gonna judge as long as they're eighteen. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well okay, the thing so is, is they, they, when they start out when they start out, they're not even in middle school. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so. uh, but the thing about it is is that there's like no fan service whatsoever. Uh, because it's all about, Good. yeah, it's all about the relationships and the video game references. Because, because okay. at least in the manga, in the manga, they actually, re- they afferen- they actually, like, reference real video games of the time. Uh, which got them into some trouble for, you know, you know, for, with their trade, with, <clears throat> some trouble with their trademarks. And things like that. <laughs> so anyway looking forward to that alright uh, I believe next up uh, is Tenro Sirius the Jaeger uh, which is PA Works uh, sort of stepping outside their typical fare um, to make a show about gangsters and vampires and werewolves um, which not sure if it'll actually be like good but at the very least it'll probably be an interesting like it'll be interesting to look at probably because <laughs> i mean it's being made by pa works oh um, so I'll, I'll i'll give it a shot um and hope for the best but you know I, i'm not gonna expect a whole lot and oh more overlord looking forward to that yeah more overlord for those of y'all who like overlord Hey, um, Overlord is good. Hey, I ain't judging. Uh, it just didn't particularly tickle my fancy, but there was there wasn't really anything like particularly objectionable about it that I found. Um, 
Also, I really should avoid using the phrase tickle my fancy in the future. I know it's a well-known idiom, but I just do not... I just don't like how that sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) moving on to uh, uh, Joshin Chan Dropkick, uh, also known as Dropkick on My Devil. Uh, It's a gag comedy with a pretty solid premise. Uh, there's not really much to go by in terms of, like, um, staff experience. Uh, and the studio, Studio Nomad, has worked on a, a whole bunch of different stuff. Oh, including Squid, Squid Girl. So, maybe... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> a lot of spring ink, maybe. Yeah. Uh... I'll give it. I'll give it a try, but uh, the manga didn't really do it for me. The parts that I read, anyway. Oh yeah, uh, I've heard that the manga. I haven't read the manga yet, but I've heard it. You know that it has a fairly positive reputation. But well, um, well, that's the thing is that you know I don't really I don't particularly care for kind of episodic gag comedies for the most uh, part. Ah, okay. Um, which and that's pretty much what it is. Alright, uh, so anyway, moving on, we've also got, I think Aaron, you were probably going to check out uh, Kyoto Teramachi Sanjo no Holmes. Yeah, because I like mystery stuff. To sort of stuff. scratch, yeah, to scratch that mystery itch. Yes, so we'll see, we'll see uh, if that does anything. I'm not expecting much because mysteries are very hard to do properly. Yeah, this one seems particularly low-key as well. Mm, It looks like there's a manga, but none of it's translated. And it's relatively (coughs) new. And it seems to be based off a novel, so that's good. I don't know, we'll see. There's one I'm going to check out, it's called Island. Yeah, I did see that one. I'm not sure about it. It's really going to depend that, on if they're going to go just like full fan service or actually that, make the it The preview image of Island reminds me way too much of a key novel. It it's is a from a visual novel. That's not surprising. <laughs> it's just, it, it just all of a sudden somebody from the future washes up on an island. I mean, uh, you know, this, this has possibilities or it could turn into something. Or, you know, I mean, there's the... Uh, Harukana receive where they make the volleyball team on the island. I mean, that's kind of between it and Happy Sugar Life. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. (coughs) Oh, wait. Okay. Uh, Let's let's see. Okay. It looks like, okay, there's three girls and one dude. And, okay, so it's going to be one of those kind of visual novels. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm not... I really don't see how they can do this one right, um, because because it faces the fundamental structural problem of like what route do you pick? Yeah, and most of the character development for for everybody is confined to their particular route. Yeah, and you know, squaring. <laughs> yeah, it's like most most adaptations don't get that right. Well, I mean, if not, you could always go to sales at work. 
All right. Uh, also, up next is uh, from Kinema Citrus. We have Shoujo uh, Kakegi. Sorry, Kageki Review Starlight, um, which is uh, an original idol anime. Um, I'll probably check out the first episode uh, in the quest to find an idol anime that is actually good. Man, if if only we could, uh, if only we could get another visual novel adaptation like Higurashi. I think that's the only one that ever did it properly. Uh, is Higurashi a key visual novel? No, it's no. a uh, no, it's Higurashi a, when they cry. Yeah, it was. It was by? from uh, Ryukishi Zero Seven. Oh, okay. Right, okay. For some reason, I imagine it with the weird, like, key faces, but no, these faces actually look fairly normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think, I think Kirashi they... is on Steam now. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think some of them are, yeah. But yeah, un until they go psycho face. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. But that's truly the best part, so. I mean, of course it is for you. <laughs> that's. That's half the reason why you tend to watch some shows. Um, did you did you finish uh, the gambling anime? By the way, uh, it finished. Anim Aaron, because I didn't I didn't actually watch it all the way through. I just watched. Oh really? I just skimmed it for the uh, the crazy faces. Okay, I was gonna say because like that show seemed to be like fit like eighty percent extremely horny horny women making crazy faces. I've already read the no uh, the manga. Is what it is. Oh, okay, that explains it. So I was just uh, yeah. looking through the... Uh, Kak the... Kakiguri, that was the one. Yeah, yeah. Kakiguri. Yes. I was just looking through uh, through um, the the scenes that I knew were going to be good. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, then we have A Planet With, which I think is the one um, a bunch of us are sort of most excited for. A, a mecha anime by Satoshi Mizukami, who is famous for Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, as well as Spirit uh, being Circle, produced by JC as well Staff. As Yojo Sanki, or not Yojo Sanki. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, wait, what? <laughs> Since when? Surprise! Aaron, Aaron, have you been taking the pills that I've been taking lately? Uh, maybe. Okay. Not Yojo Sanki. Ben, what is what is the other one? Uh, well, the other ones, the well, the other. The other mangas that Mizukami has done are uh, Sengoku Yoko, that one, and uh, Spirit Circle. Yes, those are the other ones that are very um, um, yeah familiar. I think yeah, I think like yeah, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. If they yeah, I mean with the right people, that could make a really nice twenty-four episode anime. I think. Uh, uh, also, apparently, he contributed a uh, story for Trigun Multiple Bullets, which was an anthology manga. Oh, well, huh. the pre preview shows lots of planet burning and robots. Okay. Oh, and eating and cats. Well, and... well I mean, you can't have a you can't have a solid mecha anime with a, without a planet burning. And, and, Just and ask Gundam. And cats <laughs> and uh, well endowed heroines. Okay. It's like when you're making a Gundam anime, all the good ones either drop a colony on something or they destroy or they murder an entire wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, see, you just God, my I favorite. Gundam if only for the 
If only for the neutron jammers and then the neutron jammer cancelers. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so stupid. Uh, I still need to watch the old older UC shows. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, okay. I, um, yeah, well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I, I would watch the movie recaps, because, well, not movie recaps, but, like, movie adaptations, because, you know, screw watching all the episodes oh, of... Wait, 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 you're not the, in for seven or eight hours of, of watching <laughs> senseless anime at a whack? I mean, jeez, where's your Lord, no. adventure? Look, man, I'll, I will I will take the condensed versions of Mobile Suit Gundam and Zeta. <laughs> yeah. Did they even do a condensed version of Double Zeta? I don't know. Oh, my. I, I, I think like the rest of us, they just wanted Double Zeta to go away. <laughs> it's like, let's just forget Double Zeta. <laughs> Um, like, that's good... Yeah, the thing about that is... Yeah, like... no, there's, there's no movie. It's just 47 episodes. <clears throat> so... If you, if you want to watch Double Zeta, you got to go through all, gosh, what would that be, like 23, 23 or so hours? Just Yeah, well, the thing about Double yeah. Zeta is that, like, there's like 24 episodes of good stuff in there, but it's <laughs> interspersed with a lot of really stupid stuff. Oh, yeah, dear. Well, yeah. the, the moral of the story is just don't watch Double Zeta. Well, gotcha. Just skip. Just skip to straight to what is it? War in the Pocket or Stardust <clears throat> Memories? I think those are both before Zeta. Well, the other way you could look really? at the other well, way. Well, look... chronologically, they're before. Yeah. Uh, because okay. uh, yeah, Stardust Memories is actually before. Stardust Memories is actually uh, between. Uh, is actually between original and Zeta. Okay, you're right. I just looked up the UC timeline. Uh, Thunderbolt is actually before Zeta as well. It goes. Oh, also, um, Thunderbolt you... is in a weird space where it's not in the canon, sort of. Oh, it, really? Basically, the technology in Thunderbolt is beyond what should be accessible at that point in time. Oh, okay. So it's slightly too advanced. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of like out of canon type of situation. Yeah. Apparently, the the actual order of the anime is the origin. Uh, MS Igloo, which I'm sure they would like you to forget about. Uh, original Gundam, OA the Mess Team, War in the Pocket, Thunderbolt, uh, Gundam the Ride, a Boa which, okay, <laughs> I, I forgot there was a ride and I did not realize it had a cannon. Um, Stardust Memory, Zeta, Gundam Neo Experience 0087 Green. Green divers, man! I'm learning a lot of stuff today. Well, see, here's here, here's the thing: if you can watch all that CGI short film, your, apparently, if you watch all that and still retain your sanity, then you're doing good. Uh, then Double Zeta, then Char's Counterattack. I actually didn't realize that Char's Counterattack was that late in the timeline. Um, yeah, I thought it was to... closer to the original series. No, nope. right. it uh, because because yeah because what. <clears throat> One of the, because one of the uh, significant characters in Char's Counterattack is uh, one of uh, is uh, one of Bright Noah's kids. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, then Unicorn, then Twilight Axis, uh, then F ninety one, then Victory, then G Savior. Oh, that, that, that's another one that we don't talk about. <laughs> yeah, we we don't mention G Savior. <laughs> Good. How are we on the list? 
Okay, oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, we were so, doing something. So, I look, I like Gundam, okay? I just, just, it, it, it's Friday, and I was trying not to be a stick in the mud yeah. for the weekend, but yeah. You're right. How did you right. even get to Gundam? What have I got with? Gundam? It's Mecha. I'm talking about what makes we good Mecha. We can talk about Gundam for two straight weeks and still not cover it all. Oh, boy, could I? Yeah. Uh, so, referring yeah. back to the let's condense down the yes. Th- thank you, thank you, Larry, for keeping you're, me you're on track and providing a valuable service. Speaking about um, Mecca, we got a new Zoids. Zoids, Zoids, wild baby. Yeah, I, I, I kind of <laughs> hey, Aaron, like... rem- remember when we were in high school and we signed up for like an MSN in- instant messenger group that did like uh, Zoid LARPing, basically? Oh yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah, it was. It, we basically did like Warhammer turn-based battles in MSN Messenger, but with Zoids. It 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 was entertaining. That was it was certainly oh, yeah. a, a, an experience in our adolescent lives. Truly, we have come far from that. Yeah, really? yeah, we definitely don't spend a bunch of time pretending we're something else and rolling a bunch of dice. <laughs> to determine how much damage we do to other made-up things, we have clearly moved beyond that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Zoids, Zoids is rad. Um, let me know if this new se- series is any good. Uh, uh, the, preview, the preview looks questionable at the moment. I'm not watching it. What? <laughs> You're sorry, losers. The preview. The pre- well, you know, and back to the original comment. I ben, did you ever experience the glory that was Zoids? No, I did not. Oh well, see, that's why. Yeah, it was. Z- Zoids was actually a pretty fun show, and it actually had some pretty solid mecha design. Yeah, but I just, uh, <laughs> I just wasn't the right age to experience it at the time. Yeah, that's fair. It, it, yeah, it was also a hundred percent a children's show, and I and doubt. I, it, I, I, exp- I, I, I imagine the same holds true still. And I experienced it through the eyes of children. Yeah. Two small ones sitting there jumping up and down and throwing zoids at each other. Yeah. But Though, uh, I can't throw too much shade at Aaron because I have just started watching the uh, uh, the remake, the like new uh, Voltron show that's on Netflix, and uh, that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, right. see... it's, a good, it's a good Voltron. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I watched. That's what I watched when I was growing up. I watched okay. Voltron and well, Robo. You should watch that show then, because it's pretty good. I don't have Netflix. Oh, okay. And yeah, Vol- Vol- get, Vol- get, get Netflix, damn it. <laughs> there are ways. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight the, bucks. The, the way it's way it's working, just be patient. AT and T's going to own everything, so you just you know. Make one check out with lots of commas in it, yeah. and I'll be happy. I'm sure, but uh, I'm spending all my time that I'm not watching anime, reading uh, Chinese, reading Chinese light novels. Okay, oh, you gotcha. Gotta get some D and D in there too. I hear. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, and yeah, playing D and D. Yeah, just, just just checking. I was you know, working on my. All right. Anyway. Here. I think that's all for, like, the new shows, um, though there are leftovers that obviously we'll continue watching. Uh, My Hero Academy, certainly, will be continue, continuing on to the summer. Uh, Steins Gate Zero will be continuing on to the summer, and I will finish it regardless of how much it frustrates me, which we will get into later. Yeah, um, uh, yeah huh? Uh, Persona 5 will still be going on because there is 
literally no way you could do all Persona 5 in just 12 episodes. No. You can't even hardly uh, get the basis down to 12 episodes. Yeah, and also more loop on the third part 5, so we'll definitely keep talking about that in the summer. And um, I'm still going to be watching Piano no Mori and Kakurio no Yadameshi. And gotcha. possibly yeah. catching up on possibly catching up on uh, Jushinki Pandora, jump behind on. And uh, I'm going to keep watching Akun Tukancho just because somebody kind of steered me in that direction, and I don't mind taking four minutes out of my life to watch an episode. Yeah, four minutes isn't a whole lot of commitment. No. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Anyway, um, oh yeah, uh, so this isn't really for, this isn't uh, related to the summer, but, uh, and honestly, probably everyone listening to this podcast already knows already, but just in case, um, uh, Viz Media did announce uh, that uh, Vento Oreo, the uh, fifth arc of Jota's Bizarre Adventure, uh, will be coming and will be premiering um, at Anime Expo on July 6th. Uh, which likely means that it will be showing up for the winter season, but who, or, well, either fall or winter, who knows. Uh, but yeah, I, part five like, is coming. I'd bet more on winter, but... Uh... Yeah, I am extremely excited, uh, though yeah. I will probably read ahead in the manga, because jo- JoJo I'm, and Saber getting, yep. I'm getting JoJo shakes. I'm not uh, sure how much longer yeah, I can I've, wait. Yeah, I've actually, I have, I've actually not been reading ahead for for that part. So uh, I'll actually be Luke? going. I'll be actually be going into uh, part five relatively fresh. So yeah, Luca, uh, Luke keeps posting things on Twitter about like all the wild stuff that happens in part five, and especially Stone Ocean. Uh, and it is extremely intriguing to me, and I'm not sure I'll be able to hold out, so I might just read the manga ahead of time. Yeah, it, it sounds uh, like... Which I think could be valuable, because then we'll have someone on the podcast who can be like, oh, yes, and this is the changes they made, or this is how the manga did it, so... Yeah, whatever excuse you can come up with. According to... According to well, shut up. <laughs> according to... You're the one to talk, uh, Aaron. <laughs> yo, anyway, uh, according to Anichart, uh... Says, uh, yeah, part five is supposed to start in the fall. Yes. Okay. So the the way to Dusty's heart is either through JoJo or Saber. Yeah, basically. Okay. Just, just like, yeah, uh, yeah. Either, either Emperor Nero, uh, as portrayed in Fate Grand, as portrayed in Fate, or JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um. But yeah. Anyway. That'll be it for this, the summer previews, so let's move into FLCL Progressive, <clears throat> episodes oh. 1 through 3. And I'm going to be highly uh, disappointed with that JoJo's if they don't eat Oreos. <laughs> well, you never know. Araki does like both food and American culture. They better do so. it. They better. And, well, hates, anim- and hates animals. That's... Uh, a mat, a mat, yeah, well... He he! I think he loves animals, but he loves showing animals dying more. <laughs> Ow! Oh, wait a minute. Um, that, that 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 could be a problem. But anyway, just 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 imagine the Kakuin scene from Stardust Crusaders, where he's doing the lelu 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 thing, but with like an Oreo in his mouth. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, let's talk about annoying episode one through. Yeah. Three. Anyway, Furikuri. Uh, All right, I'm getting out. 
I haven't watched anything else, so I'll see you guys later. Okay, see ya. So, when Furikuri Progressive was announced, one of the main questions was, gee, that seems strange. Furikuri was like a pretty well self-contained series and doesn't seem like there'd be like a really natural progression point from where it ended. Uh, and everyone's concern was like, you know, it's cool to get more Furikuri, but also like, what are they going to do to sort of justify a sequel and make it stand out and not just feel like a retread of um, the original series? Uh, and so far, the idea from what i've been getting from one to three seems to be focusing a little more on sort of the lore of the world um which is certainly a way to do it that has both its advantages and disadvantages uh which i think i will get into later i think first of all <laughs> let's go around and be like Let's let's go around and talk about like the things that we liked the most about these episodes. Um, Larry, how about you start? Uh, the fifty-seven Bel Air convertible and its occupant, and that's about the only thing that I've liked so far. <laughs> that is certainly true. Um, Julia Jinyu, who is the basically Haru uh, Haruha's other half. Um, and is one of the major characters in this series. Uh, has a fantastic character design. Um, I mentioned on one of the previous Baka casts that I kind of missed the sort of, like, um, d- designs you would see in 80s cyberpunk anime. Uh, and how I wish that sort of more anime had those sorts of character designs. And Jinyu absolutely, uh encapsulates the sort of stuff I love from that era. Yeah, uh, and just on top of being a total badass in her own right. Yeah. Um, and she does have a v- very good taste in vehicles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sorry. It's uh, That's one of the few vehicles in my life that I have a uh, a uh, definite preference for. And uh, yeah, it's pre- that car itself brings back a lot of memories. Not it wasn't a convertible, but the color scheme and everything else was brings back memories. Yeah, would uh, would I, I'm not super up on car knowledge, but would that type of car be considered a muscle car? No, it's, it's the first of the Tri Fives. Well, actually, it's the last. It's a '57, so it's the last of the Tri Fives. But yeah, it's it's the cars that uh, went from cars looking like a box to cars looking streamlined. Ah, uh, okay, it's sort of bridging it, the gap between the two. Yeah, it's it's the the fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven. There can be argument, I'm sure, but uh, they're the ones that were really the f- first post World War II development in vehicles, and uh, their fondness among some owners uh, is about you know, the same fondness that some of us hold for certain anime characters. <laughs> there, I got that all out without flubbing it too badly. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right, Ben. What about you? What did you like about these well, episodes? What I like is 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 the way it, it remixes the way it remixes uh, bits and pieces from the original in a kind of a new configuration. Like, okay, like in like in episode one, you see like uh, 
like E-Day, you know, telling telling his you know you know his his story about like about to, you know talking to his friends about how Haruko is you know is uh, like living living with him, and so it's sort of like that's like it's kind of like what Nauta went through in season one. But yeah, from an outs- they even like I feel like they even deliberately avoid showing his face for a while, so like it starts to make you think, you know, is this still Nauto? Nah, well, yeah, but yeah, and 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 like and so yeah, like so you're showing, so you're seeing like an echo of like what Nauto went through, but from a different perspective. And that different perspective, I think, really does add something uh, to the show. Uh, you know, because the ori- the thing about the original was the original was all you know it was all it was all about adolescence, but from a boy's point of view. And this new show is still about adolescence, but it's got a you know. But it's not just from a boy's point of view. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I think in, in terms of that remix part is that uh, in the original uh, Furikuri, um, Haruha was like sort of portrayed as almost like a chaos deity, uh, where she was like ultimately a positive influence, but. You know, she wasn't, like, she was still unpredictable, uh, and he didn't really want to completely trust her. Uh, but ultimately, she did end up helping Nauta. Whereas in Progressive, Haruha is, deplo- is like, almost constantly portrayed to be a more malevolent influence, with Jinyu being the one trying to sort of, like keep the the two main characters um uh, Hidomi and Ide safe from her. Yeah. So that that she's she's portrayed as far less positive in progressive and clearly she is portrayed as a clearly having some sort of character flaw obsession that that she has um that she's sort of uh, going after at the expense of the safety of the other characters. It, she almost reminds me of that interaction with the students in the classroom more as a Pied Piper. Yeah. yeah. She, she's like she's like a twisted mentor figure that's leading these kids down the wrong path. Yeah, very much so. Um, which is an interesting take on it. Uh, especially, and then like sort of a logical progression of how she was in the original Furikuri as well. Like, you can you can see her sort of going overboard with how she acts and just, like, no longer caring about the, the people in her way. Uh, as for stuff I liked, um, Larry already mentioned Jinyu, uh, who is, I far and away, my favorite part of Progressive. Uh, I also like the uh, dream sequences at the beginning of each episode. I think that uh, adds a lot to Hidomi's character, um, which is kind of important uh, because I don't feel like in the actual episodes, 
Hidomi gets enough to do. Um, especially considering she is like she is ostensibly the viewpoint character. Um, and sort of like taking the place that Naoto had in the original uh, Furikuri. Um, it, it is it is weird to me that Hidomi doesn't have as much agency as it seems like she should. Um, and that Ide seems to be sort of almost stealing uh, some focus away from Hidomi that, that should rightfully belong to her. Um, well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm still, yeah, I can see where that might be a problem. Uh, I'm willing to reserve judgment until the end to see, like, where, like, Hidomi's character arc takes her, because, because, like, as it is now, like, she seems to be holding a lot of things in. And, 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 and in fact... Like, one of the things that Jinyu is trying to do is, like, she actually, and she actually says this uh, straight out, that she's trying to keep Hidomi from overflowing. Yeah. Um, but, obviously, that's going to fail. And what I'm really interested to see is, like, what happens when she finally overflows. So I think that's where it's going to determine if it really sticks the landing. Yeah, and like even with the original Furi Kuri, it was kind of hard to say where it was going until the whole thing was finished. Um, just Furi Kuri in general is kind of hard to really evaluate properly until you've got the whole thing in front of you and can like really look at the entire arc of it. Uh, but yeah, it's so far as much as I'm enjoying myself with it, um, it I also don't feel like it is. It does feel almost partly too much of a retread in some areas. Um, I, I'm skeptical of the of the focus that Ide is getting, um, and also sort of like almost weirdly focused on the lore. Um, if if they can make that work, I'll be really happy because the world of FLCL is fascinating and bizarre. Um, I hope they don't try to explain too much about it. <laughs> Because uh, uh, one of the reasons why it's good is because like it, it's kind of vague in a lot of ways still. Those initial dream sequences that she has at the beginning of each episode is um, it's. I, I understand the symbolism, but uh, we we can only take dream sequences so far. Yeah, that's well, that's another thing that I notice is that like one of the things I do appreciate about Progressive is that the original Furikuri was a Bildungs Roman like. Pretty clearly, it was about a um, boy sort of learning what it means to become a man. Um, But not just in the sort of, like, traditional sense of, like, this is what a man's role is in society, uh, which you... There are plenty of examples of in anime, but also from a sexuality point of view. It's like, this is... This is how a adult approaches a relationship with someone he's attracted to uh, as opposed to how a child approaches a relationship um, and sort of Naoto Naoto coming to realize that the feelings he had um, for 
I can't remember her name. Haruko. The, the Haruko um, were ultimately not healthy and, and childish and sort of like learning to like let go of that. Um, sort of culminating in, in him just flat out rejecting her and being like, I'm not my brother. Stop trying to make me my brother. Oh, you mean, uh, uh, oh, you're talking, oh, you're talking about Mamimi, who's the other guy. Mamimi. Yeah, right. I mean it works for both of them really, but, but with uh, I think the primary focus of his develop of his development in terms of his sexualities was with Mamimi, um, and they are not shying away from that in Progressive either, uh, though they're coming at it from a slightly different angle, um, and I kind of wonder if they're gonna do the sort of Hanekawa type style of it and focusing more on how sexual desires are oftentimes encouraged to be suppressed in women uh, just because of sort of the primary thing that not only because of the dream sequences uh, but also because of primarily the reaction that Hidomi has to seeing uh, Ide get beaten and I believe it's episode 3 yeah um, where like she is very clearly turned on by seeing him get beaten up uh, to the point where, like, to make it blatantly obvious, she gets a nosebleed. Mm-hmm. So I'm fascinated to see that was where ep- they take that particular That was an episode plot. two. Oh, that was two. Okay. Well, it, it really didn't matter where it was. It, it, it did happen. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, it, 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 this was a <clears throat> happening thing because he was sitting there sticking cotton in her nose she finally said all right my nose is fine leave me alone uh yeah okay other things i liked about this about this show is ide's friends are i mean like particularly maury who's just like i mean he's he's a mess but yeah. in a good way yeah yeah He's a train wreck that's looking for a rail to fall on but, to. Oh, but, oh yeah, but but getting back to the thematics, another aspect of, in the original, the other aspect of Naoto, like, Naoto, Naoto's coming of age was learning that adults didn't really have the answers. Uh, because cause that was that was the thing that was running through, that was the thing that was running through the whole thing was, where he, he learns that, like, you know, his father and, like, let's see, Amarau and Haruko, you know, these were, like, adults that are supposed to be, you know, that are supposed to be wiser, you know, supposed, yeah. to, supposed to really know what's going on, and it turned out they didn't. Yeah, they, they didn't really have their shit together. <laughs> right. And... Yeah, and that's the that's the aspect that that's the aspect of the new show. The new show hasn't really gone into that. hasn't really hasn't really explored that. Yeah, with the with the exception of Haruha uh, Haruhara, um, like most of the adults in the show are portrayed as fairly normal. Like Hiromi's mom is certainly eccentric, but. She seems like a perf- perfectly like good mom. Yeah, it's somewhat well adjusted. Not completely, just somewhat. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sort of I'm I'm sort of interested to see where Hidomi's mom fits into the lore. Uh, because because there's hints that that she's connected to this. Yeah, because uh, she makes that line staying there. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm wondering where he went, and it's like okay. Unless Hidomi's mom is a later day uh, Firestarter girl, Mamimi. Yeah. Yeah. The hair colors. The hair colors match up. The yeah. ages match up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that could be. That very well could be. That was. I was sort of thinking that myself, but wouldn't I'm not the, sure. Wouldn't be the first time something very Japanese decided. Oh yeah, let's throw in a plot twist and see how many how long it takes people to catch it. It's just just oh. what this show needs is a couple hundred more plot twists, you know. Yeah, I was, I've been, well, actually, I'd just been re-watching, I'd, they just been, uh, they just did a rerun of the, uh, of the, of season one on, on Cartoon Network, and so yeah. I've been giving that a rewatch. so a lot of, like, the stuff from the original is fresh in my mind, which I appreciate yeah. going into well. this. It, oh, yeah. it, it, we have the walking, talking insanity that is fully coolie. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah but, so, uh, <laughs> so how much longer do we want to ride this pony, he asked cautiously. Uh, but, getting yeah, back, got... but getting back to Maury. Okay. I mean, like. Like. like yeah, I mean, that's a character that. You know. That, that, that shows you that. They really are not complete. They're not just retreading the original because uh, they didn't. Because the original did not have a Mori. <laughs> yeah. Did not have anyone like that. Did not have anyone like that guy. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I'm. I I do like a uh, progressive. Um, I remain skeptical, uh, but so far, you know, I, I've been enjoying it. So I will we'll definitely keep talking about it, um, sort of seeing where it ends up. But I, I am cautiously optimistic for it. And at the very least, we've got Jinyu. So. All right. So uh, now that we're done with uh, Fuikui Progressive, let's move on to Hisone Tomasotan episodes 9 and 10. Are we going to give ratings to Fuikui? Oh yeah, I guess we should. I don't um, know. I let I mean, I'll give, we I'll give, give all of them fours. I'm gonna give them fives because I've been having a blast with it. I'm gonna do the yeah four. I I was almost gonna three them, but yeah, they were good enough, I guess, to get fours. the The amount of confusion is still. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the 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 one dreamscape where she's dreaming and the irons are attaching are attacking her was like, uh, wait a minute. But yeah, oh man, that was my favorite. <laughs> I know. What was your favorite? Yeah, right. She's getting attacked by irons, and then she turns it, and then you know, and then she turns into a mech. <laughs> the one thing that did surprise me about that sequence actually um, is, uh, given that uh, the sort of horn on Nauta's head was like very obviously a metaphor for a penis. Uh-huh. I'm kind of surprised that 
her her horn is also like more of an actual horn, I figured they would have gone for something, uh, something like a flower, which is more typically associated uh, with, uh, like metaphors for female genitalia, but uh, as her, as portrayed in say Dragon Guard Three. Her horn is red, though. And that makes a whole lot of difference. True. Okay. Good point. <laughs> Point taken. Okay, so we're not. Never mind. Uh, All so right. What, what, what were we reviewing? Oh yeah, that other show. Uh, oh yeah, Hisone to Masatan. Uh, yes. Yeah. Why, uh, why do girls fall in love? Where there are definitely no menstrual metaphors. But <laughs> you, you know. Probably, I haven't kept up. I don't think there are. Well, yeah. Okay. So like. All right, so back in episode eight, like, they they had this whole thing where they were, like, trying to stop the girls from, you know, trying to stop the dragon pilots from falling in love because that uh, that would interfere with their, uh, you know, their relationship with their dragons. Uh, yeah, it turns out, yeah, that the, uh, the, the like, level of interference, like, what interference means uh, becomes painfully clear uh, when... They fail to stop the girls from fa- stop some of the girls from falling in love. Well, your fighter pilots fall into love. The transport and the uh, weather, they're yeah. they're fine. But yeah, right. The, the uh, two the right. two mains fall into love. Right. So uh, right. So uh, Hisone, you know, falls in love with uh, his fault. You know, realizes after some prodding from uh, from uh, Okanogi's like childhood friend, who's like this uh, who's priestess. Who's, yeah, she's a priestess. Uh, because this whole dragon, this whole dragon, dragon ritual thing is all tied up in Shinto mysticism. Um, so, right. So Hisone, you know, where like you know this like priestess girl who uh, is still in high school uh, yeah. and is in and has been in love with Okanogi. Even ever since she was a kid. Probably uh, since she started walking. Yeah. Uh, you know, she like, you know, f- yeah, she actually, you know, flat out says it straight. Like, I'm in love with this guy. It's like, what's your relationship with him? And, you know, she talked about it. And she's like, you know, and like uh, when Yusone starts describing, like, describing, like, her her attitude towards him and talking about the things that she likes about him, like, without, like, without, at first, admitting that she's in love with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the priestess girl's like, oh, you're in love with him. And it's like, and, uh, Hisone's like, what, really? That's what it is? Yeah. And then all the bells start lining up and going off, and then it gets, it gets a little rough. Yeah, because unfortunately, dragons have a very violent reaction to finding out that their symbiotic partner cares for somebody more than they care for them. Yeah, it it turns out that uh, it turns out that when a dragon gets jealous, their uh, digestive fluids go into overdrive. Yeah, try to dissolve their pilot, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's called a pilot project. Oh, right. Oh, 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 okay. And so a parallel thing happens when, uh, yeah. And so, like, around the same time, 
you know, you have, uh, you know, like, uh, Zaito, like that, you know, like total horn dog who's been like, you know, who's been, you know, Chasing going after, after going, yeah, going after Hoshino, uh, you know, he like, at, at one point he accidentally kisses her and she, sla- and she slaps him. Uh, but she's starting to, she's starting to have feelings for her. She's starting to have feelings for him. Uh, and that throws her, throws her off her game. And so she starts getting dissolved by her dragon. Well, now, wait a minute. That's not necessarily how that happened. Because she went to fall down the stairs and he went to catch her. And they ended up at the bottom of the stairs with her against the wall and him kissing her with the entire weight of his body against her. So it's like, uh. It, it wasn't a planned kiss. It was, oh, gee, that's a kiss. Yeah. It was a kiss, but accidental. Yeah. Not. Yeah. And so, although you know, her yeah. reaction to it was, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. You, you also have to consider who's writing the script for this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. It's like, you know, in the moment she smacks him, which he totally deserved. Uh, but, you know, she's starting to, her juices it's, are starting to flow. Yeah, she just starts getting those feelings, and unfortunately, like I said, they all, they all mount up into their dragons, and, uh, we have two dragons that all of a sudden go berserk and start trying to eat their pilots, and, uh, then we find out why and wherefore and how come, and, uh, yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> uh, the, um, the, so, uh, so in the next episode, so in the next episode, the episode, yeah, that, that's episode nine. Episode ten, at least for uh, Hoshino, at least in Hoshino's case, uh, Zaito solves this problem by dumping her in a well, very, what, very cruel, we're very cruel way. Well, remember what they said to him that he had to totally rip her heart out, stomp it flat, and give it back to her. Well, he did, and yep. I, I'm sure it hurt him as much as it ended up hurting her yeah because i do believe that he was truly in love with her and to have to make that kind of sacrifice uh yeah yeah take it so that gets a little painful around the edges and in the middle too yeah it's yeah so right we, we we have one pilot who's resolved her uh problems the other problem is that you can't leave dragons on the ground for too long because they overheat if you don't fly them. And so this is where now comes in. Uh, they kind of con now into taking uh, Musselton out for uh, for a short trip just to cool him off. And, yeah. And uh, Hisone sees this and does some reconfiguring and rethinking and this and that. And the next thing we know, she comes roaring into the hangar and in front of everybody proudly announces that she's figured out how to solve this problem. She's going to quit. Yeah, and that that was the uh, cliffhanger that that's ended cl- episode 10. That's yeah, she's she she's giving it all up. Yep. Uh, uh so I got a feeling that's not going to work out at all, but uh, that's my opinion. Right. <laughs> so you know. Oh, the other thing is the, uh, I can't think of her name, but the childhood friend of the sergeant that uh, Hisoni's in love with, uh, 
she got chose to be the, uh, and I think the word would be sacrifice. Yeah. That's uh, okay. So you and I, you and I were, were reading into the same page there. Yeah. Right. Because it turns out like, yeah, the ritual of like, you know, pacifying the dragon, uh, pacifying like the giant island sized dragon, uh, involves, uh, well, sacrificing a priestess. Now, I don't oh, that know, figures. And I don't know if either one of them knows that she's going to be a sacrifice. That'll uh-huh. be interesting. Oh, I thought, I thought you were about to say you don't know if either if any of them count as a priestess. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm more interested in the, hey, wait a minute, what do you mean she's going to be a sacrifice? Uh, uh, no, wait, you can't. Because uh, yeah, the, the, the ritual was so, it was like, you know, I, I've seen enough B movies where we've had the priestess thrown into the dragon and this, that. And I was like, no, you guys aren't going to. And then I remember, oh, wait a minute, this is Mario Kada. Yeah, Mario well, do something like actually, that. Actually, there were some interesting. Oh, actually, there were some interesting bits uh, where, like, because it turned out, like, like, that girl, like, uh, yeah, uh, Okanogi's, uh, you know, childhood friend, childhood friend, uh, you know, was not the only priestess candidate. Like, there was, like, a bunch of other priestesses who were, like, uh, you know, hanging out with, uh, hanging out with, like, the, the, like, the Air Force guys and practicing their, you know, practicing their, you know, ritual moves and stuff, and... And everybody strongly and, reminding everybody that these were all teenage girls. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, even Zaito's like totally like when uh, yeah, actually one of the one of the girl one of the uh, you know one of the priestess girls goes up to uh, Zaito and it's like, hey, take a selfie with me, and he's kind of not having it. <laughs> and she uh, kind of throws herself at him about the time that uh, yeah. uh, Eru sticks her head around the corner and says, "Well, that's nice. I'm glad to see you like him young." Uh, yeah. Yeah, when when yeah, when he's like, when all these guys are like painfully aware, painfully aware that yeah, these these girls are not legal. Yeah, uh, we had that in uh, in uh, Antarctica too. But the thing was, yes, I, I know where you're headed. The at the ritual where the one is chosen, he's shaking the water, and it could have been any of the girls, but the water hit on her name. I uh, yeah, I got that symbolism too. <laughs> right. Yeah, but but in that scene where like you know like you know when the girls are like hanging out with hanging out with the Air Force pilots, uh, what what was interesting? There was an interesting line where, you know, where like one of the girls was like, "Yeah, that whole thing about priestesses being pure—that's just a myth." Yeah, and that that would be again considering considering the source of the material. Okay, yeah, we knew that was coming. I know it was. I, I, I thought I, it was I thought it was a pretty good bit. Oh no, I, I it is probably more true than anybody would really want to admit to. But yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna give them both fours. Yeah, I'm gonna give them fours. They're pretty fun. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they wrap this up in uh, two more episodes. Yeah, we got two more episodes to wrap this all yeah, up. Yeah, well, well, let's see. I mean, obviously. I mean, structurally, it seems like the next episode is going to be how, you know, it's going to be how 
you know, Hisone deals with her issues with, you know, with Okanogi and with her dragon. And, uh, you know, and then the last episode is the ritual. Uh, uh, but you make it sound so simple. Why can't something be well, complex for once? Well, they might I'm mix. Just, they might. They might mix it up. Yeah, Who it knows? Might surprise us. Yeah, you never know. All right, moving right along. Yes. Uh, to so we're our online episodes nine and ten, where once again I'm going to be silent for this one. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I. I just haven't had much desire to catch up with uh, Hisune or Sao. Uh, well, these episodes, yeah, th- these uh, gets into like it show it has uh, yeah. Pito's team uh, is like like there's like seven teams, you know, seven teams ganging up on Pito's team, uh, and Pito crushes them all practically single handedly. Pito has this interesting choice. She can't fight a battle with the same weapon. She, she can't use it more than once. In other words, if she's attacking a group, she's got one weapon. The next group shows up. She switches weapons. The next group goes up, and it's the same thing. She comes up with some interesting weapons in this episode, I have to admit. Um, but what I guess the... Uh, Four stars have got to go to the girls' gymnastic team and the way they figure out how to almost take Pito out. Yeah, they, know, uh, I'm, I'm broadly synopsizing here. Yeah, right. Because uh, yeah, they come up with a <laughs> they come up with a cool solution to uh, to uh, M's shield, which you know was like totally broken. Yeah, yeah. It turns out that. Uh, that shield is no match for an anti-tank rifle. And you, did you notice the when they when the girls were talking, not in game character, the name that they mentioned that they got the anti-tank weapon idea from? Uh, Miss, Miss Sheenon, as yep. in yep. So yeah, well, well, you infiltrated in one character from the previous, but yeah, that's okay. It. Shinon was cool, and she would be, yeah, if you do this, this, and this, you can blow things away. Cool, thanks. We'll remember that. <laughs> Works for us. Yeah. Yeah, there was also, yeah, there's, like, bits where, like, like, all the stuff that went down in uh, SAO Season 2, in the, in the Gun Gale arc. Yep. You know, all that stuff is part of the, is part of, like, the, uh, the backstory of Gun Gale itself. You know, where, like, all the stuff they, you know, that uh, Kirito and Shinon got up to is, like, well, that's part of the records of the game, and people, like, have, like, learned from it and used it to, you know, and used it to inform their own strategies and tactics. Uh, so, like, so later on in episode 10, in episode 10, uh, Pito actually uses a lightsaber. Yep. Uh, well, a laser saber, but yeah, it's, uh, y- you know, is she a Jedi? Could be. Uh, but, like, yeah, there's a reference, like, whoa, yeah, in the last, uh, you know, in the last bullet of bullets, you know, there was a dude who actually kicked ass with a lightsaber. Yeah, well, let's see, wasn't his name Kirito? Yeah, probably. 
Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was sort of interesting. No, it, it there was a there was a lot of little innuendo here and there that that floated out through this episode that I was like, yeah. okay, but let's get down to uh, Pito. Actually, we've come to find out why there's a possibility she could die if she dies in the game. It looks like she is using original nerve gear from uh, SAO. The stuff that if you're really hooked up, it'll kill you. Now, where she got her hands on it and why is she using it, we're going to have to find out. But it's like, okay, there's another interesting little ripple. Uh, and, yeah. And she destroyed, completely destroys a team except for one member who said that she was kind of oh, turned off by killing human beings. But after watching her teammates get massacred, she decided that, well, you know, this is a game. And anyway, she, she ta takes her sights and uh, almost does Pito in. And that's where uh, pretty much we uh, leave, leave it. Well, to, uh, not quite. Because, uh, yeah, because what, because like M, you know, like right when Pito's, you know, about to, right when Pito's about to die, M gets to her with a, gets to her with a healing potion and you know and she's unconscious for a while and they hole up in this house when another team you know goes after them and yeah it it, it the yeah that's right because what we're left with was her with that insidious grin on her face and a lightsaber in her hand yeah you're right <laughs> yeah. uh again i am gonna go with the uh with the uh fours here yeah, I'm gonna give them fours. This has been uh, pretty fun, pretty fun times. Okay, so let's see. Uh, uh, what yeah, we... so up next is Steinsgate Zero episodes ten and eleven. You mean Frustration Gate episodes wasted and more? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Steinsgate is dragging this out so much. Like, God, I don't even remember. Like, I think in episode 10 there was some, like, swimsuit stuff, I want to say. Uh, there's a, a lot of, like, pointless filler um, that wasn't even particularly interesting character interaction. This, this... Um, it was just, like, a lot of cliche anime uh, tropes. Yeah, it wasn't swimsuits. It was... Uh... It was uh, Ferris and Moeka, and oh god, right? Uh, have a have a pajama party. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm gonna call. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, wasted animes come to mind. Uh, Endless Eight would be one. This is not as bad as Endless Eight was, but it left me just as frustrated well, as Endless Eight left me. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, like, okay, there. It's moving. It's it's moving in the right direction, but way too slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the only thing I liked about episode 10 was Nye, uh, bossing, um, Sergeant what's Cleanup. his name? Yeah. Daru. Uh, Nye being Sergeant Cleanup. Yeah, yeah. And specifically bossing Daru around. Yeah. Um, and him loving every second of it. Yeah. Everything, everything else about this, like, Ocarine, Ocarine going to visit the the place where um, 
Chris, uh, who died with, uh, Maho, I think, her, is her name Maho? Yeah, yeah it's Maho. Maho. Yeah. Maho uh, could have been good, but instead it was just, like, another excuse to have Ocarine freak out. Freak out and, and puke. And, and refuse to tell Maho anything again. Well, he um, finally does sort of fess up to her. Yeah, like a tiny little bit. He, like, budges the slightest inch, even though he, at this point, he has gotten basically everyone he knows deeply involved into, like, the dramatic stuff that's occurring. Uh, um, no, no, I think he fessed up more than a bit. I think he, I think he laid it out, he laid it out pretty completely uh, for uh, Maho in the end. Yeah, I, I I don't recall him being all that like clear about it. Just well, that's because his overview. explanation was his explanation took place off camera. Okay. Uh, like, so like him him like explaining the whole thing, like that wasn't you know that was just like it like had him. Yeah, it was off camera. He started he like, you know where where he, where he was like trying to get. Uh, Trying to get convince Maho not to try not to open, you know, not to Chris's open laptop. Chris's laptop because yeah, yeah, there, there was yeah, because he he has like a huge freak out about that, and Maho's like, why? <laughs> and with a bit of prodding from Daro, he eventually. He eventually tells her what the deal is. Yeah, you know you're in trouble when Daru is the voice of reason. Uh huh. Well, the other thing is, let's go back to the attack that destroyed the laptop. We were wondering who the lady that was in the helmet that got shot in the hand was, and the final sequence when the uh, everybody's returning to America, she's sitting in the seat with her hand wrapped up in a coat. Eh, yeah, that was kind of obvious, but so the Americans and the Russians are after. Well, the Russians don't care anymore. The case is destroyed. Now, wait a minute. If the, if the Russians actually destroyed the case. Yeah. Okay, you know, we could have condensed 10 and 11 into 10, and then 11 we could find out if they really destroyed the case or if Daru actually managed to clone a copy of Carisu's laptop before... Oh, wait a minute, was that mentioned? Maybe not. Yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff. Like, honestly, the big offender for, for this particular set of episodes was episode 10. Um, definitely had the most just kind of, like, spinning its wheels. Uh, I think you could cut episode 10 down quite a bit and then stick most to 11 on the end of it. But yeah, yeah it's th that, that's a thing that this entire, pretty much this entire series has had issues with is like properly pacing these storylines and sort of going over the same conflicts over and over again and leaving the viewer uh, extremely frustrated yeah like i really don't think it has justified its 12 episodes particularly well um i i'm still interested to see what happens but it's consistently trying my patience uh, well, that's, I'm a bit more patient. I'm a bit more patient than you are. I'm willing to. I, I, I understand your frustration. I feel a little bit of it, but I'm still. I'm a bit more forgiving. Uh, anyway, I'm going to give episode ten a three and episode eleven a four. 
Uh, I'm going to give 10 a 2 and 11 a 3. Uh, I'm out of frustration. I'm going to give them both threes because uh, when I got done for the first time in a long time, and I mean, okay, yeah, we went round and round with Mayuki, you know, with him going, well, if I do this, she won't die, and if I do that, she won't die. So we've been around the block a couple times with that, but it was like, what the huh? And that's kind of how I was left after this, was uh, duly frustrated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Full Metal Panic, Episode 8, I... Ah! Don't tell me you didn't watch it. Oh. Uh, no, I watched it. Wish you I watched had it. Wish you had enough? So, I mentioned during my review of the previous two episodes that as much as I like Nami, I was kind of disappointed that they were going the really like cliche route of making her another love interest for Sosuke and hoped that they would do something to, you know, avoid that. This was not the direction I was hoping they would go in. <laughs> uh, like, beginning of episode 8, um, and I was actually shocked how perfunctory this was like within the first couple minutes nami just dies like no like like no beating around the bush like a couple episodes in you know she's still held hostage uh the villain just pushes her away and then just immediately shoots her on the back no last no final words or anything she just dies um and Sosuke gets angry because apparently that that was Nami's primary purpose in this episode. Uh, dis- despite how much they built her up in the first couple of epi- first couple episodes she was in to be this like uh, other major character, she's just er- unceremoniously killed off to motivate Sosuke. Which what makes it even worse is that you're at the end of this episode sosuke takes exactly the same injury uh shot straight through the chest bullet goes all the way through same spot even uh i think even they leave similar size blood puddles and, uh, i don't i don't so, think it was i don't think it was exactly the same spot might have been um, a few inches might have been might have been a few inches off yeah either way like uh virtually the same uh, injury. Nami instantly dies. Sosuke uh, like is still functional enough to uh, like run around and gun the villain to death and then very slowly pass out as yeah. the heroes arrive to save him. Yeah, you're forgetting the, you're forgetting the part where they actually shot Nami more than once uh, because, because uh, Kurama, the, uh, the main bad guy of this arc uh, didn't just shoot her in the back once. He actually emptied a clip into her. Yeah, it's it's weird that it doesn't have, doesn't. I do vaguely remember that, but I thought I just didn't see things right because when she's on the ground, it's just a single bullet wound. Yes. Uh, um, that was an animation. That was a uh, that was an animation fail. But you could def. But when he actually did the shooting, uh, there was definitely more than one gunshot. Like either way, it's just extremely frustrating to have a interesting character just 
killed off for seemingly no particular reason. Like, it's not like Sosuke wasn't motivated. Like, he was definitely gonna keep trying to get to Cheatery regardless. And I, I can't think of a plot purpose that killing off Nami really solved. Um, or, an, or like, any interesting new plot arc that her death will help facilitate. She's just a d- dead woman to motivate the male lead. Well... Um, it is almost the most blatant example of fridging you can find. Well, okay. In, if you think about it narrowly, then yeah. Uh, but, okay... Thematically, in terms of, like, well, at least in terms of the lore, uh, is what, like, the, 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 like, the feeling I got from, like, what happened to Nami was a fundamental, like, anger at the world, uh, in, in a sense of, of that this was un, this was an unjust outcome. Because, because what, like, what Nami's, like, what Nami's whole arc showed was that Whispered can come from anywhere. Uh, you know, like, she's a Whispered, but the problem was, is that she was, like, she was a Whispered growing up in this crappy, crooked town. Which means that, like, even though she had the potential to be a mech genius... Like, all she had the opportunity to do was work on these crappy fighting mechs. Uh, and, you know, and because she got wrapped up in all this, and she, because she got wrapped up in all this nonsense, you know, she died before she, her her full potential could have been realized. And that is the true injustice. I would be more inclined to agree with that reading i think there's i think you can definitely make an argument but i don't think the show itself has been particularly particularly focused on or particularly cares much about like making that sort of point well it wasn't in the it, it it felt it felt a lot more blatantly to me like oh no sosuke got another person he cares about uh, involved in deadly shenanigans, and this time it didn't work out so well, which is a thing we have seen happen multiple times before. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't which, in the which appeared to be the which appeared to me to be the main thrust of what they were doing, as opposed to making a point about uh, like how uh, about like in ju- uh, about how like life is unfair in other parts of the. Uh, other parts of the world that are neglected by Mithril and other organizations. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't foregrounded, but I that's but I that's what I got from it. Well, I mean the okay. Well, the thing there is is that that plot element, like if it's purely confined to Nami, it just died with her. So what is it? What is its lasting impact? Uh, not that much, because... Uh, and that's the... And, like, even if... Yeah, so even if I accept 
your interpretation of you know what the show was trying to do that still leaves us with the problem of the plot line that arc was res- resolved within three episodes with no apparent purpose uh <laughs> like yeah it was um i sort of agree with you that i sort of agree with you that they probably could have cut out they could have cut out this this arc and it wouldn't have uh it wouldn't have changed the story that much um yeah like it 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 really makes me wonder like if nami wasn't going to be a major character like why they even did this <laughs> like aside from introducing the the villain like it was that its only purpose um Well, it definitely stepped up the ruthlessness. Yeah, I don't really consider that a positive or a negative, though. It sort of, like, depends on why they're doing it, and I just don't think it's serving a particularly positive yeah. uh, I, influence. I, I, yeah. I would say, when I, I read this in the, I mean, I read this in the manga, I believe, I believe that this arc, uh, Covers, I believe, the seventh, uh, the seventh volume of the light novels. Um, and like when I read this arc in the manga, I was like, "Well, that was kind of a sidetrack." Um, yeah. And I was actually kind of, sort of hoping they would have cut it out for space because they could have done that, and it wouldn't, and, and, and it wouldn't have deformed the story that much. Uh, but I thought, you know, as a kind of on-its-own arc, wasn't bad. It it just, it didn't, it didn't add that much to the overall narrative. But it was a decent chunk of episodes. And, and it was, it flowed pretty well. I... I mostly liked it, in spite of, in spite of the fact that it didn't, it didn't really, it didn't do much for the overall narrative. Uh, anyway, oh, oh, another thing, we were totally wrong about the, about Lemon's identity. Turned well, yeah, out- Yeah, that, that was, that was revealed in the previous set of episodes. no. No. Yeah, it was. I remember because when we recorded those episodes, I talked about how wrong we were. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's one of the few things I am capable of remembering is when I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, I. But, but yeah, it was it was totally the uh, the guy from Mithril. No, it was, was... not. That it was not. That was actually the thing. That was what we were Wait, wrong about. It hold up! Not. What there was a se- there was a se- there was another reveal. <laughs> yes, I'm because so it turned out it turned out that like his resemblance to Kurtz was a pure coincidence, and that guy Lemon, although there was he wasn't just an ordinary guy, he was actually a friend. He was actually an agent for French for uh, he was actually a French spy. Okay, wait. Okay, so hold on. So. In the previous set of episodes, the show intentionally made it seem like he was Kurtz, and not like a new character. Nope. 
It turned out... And then, and then in this episode, they reveal, like, nah, it actually isn't Kurtz. He is really a new character, but also he's a spy. <laughs> yes. It turned out he was, uh, he was an agent for the French government. Oh, I'm dying, Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that, I was, yes. I was, like, completely misled. I was completely misled. I actually forgot this. I, uh, I read the manga like years and years ago, and I totally forgot that bit. And and now I was reminded uh, that, yes, we were wrong. We were so wrong. <laughs> okay, so we were double wrong. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. All right. Well, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'll give this episode a two. It made me angry. I'm going to give it a three. All right. My dogs are also upset. Uh, moving on to My Hero Academy, episode 48 through 49, which were so good. Yes. Like, you, you remember, like I've been, like, like bursting out of myself, like, because cause I didn't want to spoil it for you, because I'd read this in the manga, and it was brilliant then, and it's brilliant now. I love you, All Might. Please be my dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... It, uh, there's not a, a whole lot to really discuss. It's a very... It's a very obvious uh, set of episodes in terms of what they're going for, but um, they put a lot of production behind these two episodes with uh, All Might facing down... Um, uh, all for one and uh, Deku coming up with a brilliant plan to save Sasuke while also what, like, Sasuke? Are you... not Sasuke ah! you mean Bakugo yeah. <laughs> I'm getting my angry shonen boys confused hey, you know um, well yeah and <laughs> Uh, yeah, to to save Bakugo while using Bakugo's uh, own psychology against him to convince him to actually like go along with the plan, yeah. which I felt was clever because Deku was like, "Look, if I tell him to come with us, he'll just ignore me because he hates me and wants to be contrarian." But if you, uh, the guy who hardens and has red hair, uh, um, yeah, if if you like tell him to like he respects you so he'll go along with it um i really liked that uh i always like when deku gets to use his brain um i always like when all might gets to get gets to go all out and be sort of like the iconic hero united states Um, of smash that was I was waiting for I, that moment so much. And I very nearly stood up and cheered. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, pretty much so. Like yeah, the entire paid. time oh. I've been watching this series, I've been waiting for that moment, and boy did they deliver. That, yeah, it was it was really wonderful. Um I also like the reveal of um, sort of the uh, the guy that with the hands, the one that has the decay quirk. Um, yeah. How he Shigaraki he was, yeah, Shigaraki. How he was 
um, is it, I believe it was the son of the grandson, the grandson, grandson of All Might's mentor. Yes. Yep. Uh, which, by the way, I love All Might's mentor's style. She's got a really good character design. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd I'd really I'd really like it if you know there was at some point like a side story that like of, of a just thing in the past where it shows All Might training under her. That'd be kind of neat. Um, maybe something they can do for mm-hmm. like a. <laughs> Like a bonus OVA that's packed in with a D- with the DVD set or something, um, but yeah, it was just a fantastic couple episodes uh, that kind of encapsulated everything that's like really great and inspiring about My Hero Academy. Yes, yes, I um, and and what I also really liked was the aftermath of the fight when it has where we're like after all might has given us all used like the last like used like you know used as united states united states was smashed to beat down uh all for one you know and like and he knows like the cameras are on it and like he used like he like points at the camera and goes you're next and like and what was great was, like, the, the divergence between, like, what the rest of the audience got out of that and what Deku got out of that. Yep. Yeah, I I also really like the moment where Bakugo and Deku are sort of watching All Might together and they both, like, get super stoked in unison. Yeah, they're both cheering <laughs> yeah. for their hero. Yeah, like... Yeah, like Bakugo, Bakugo is very angry about Deku's presence at basically all times. But the one thing that they can share together is their love of All Might. <laughs> right. uh, um, I the point that I got, and they did it well, is when Deku was trying to figure out what to do next, and the character flashbacks through his mind's like, "No, you can't do it this way. You can't do it that way." And he's sitting there, a little bit of indecision, and all of a sudden. Bang, the light came on, which was a good thing. I love these yeah. episodes. Yeah, it, it they're they worked. Sorry, out, go ahead. No, they worked out better than I figured they would. I I could I actually I kind of had an impending feeling that there was a train wreck about to happen, but they managed to do it without wrecking the train at all. Yep, I'm giving them fives. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, nope. and, you know, the pre, I mean, we all saw the previews for the next episode. I want to see how they work that one out, too. Right. All right. Uh, Lupin the Third, Part 5, Episodes 11 and 12. Uh, both of which were kind of mixed bags for me, honestly. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, is that, yeah, these are uh, more standalone episodes. Uh, you know, standalone episodes with Lupin in a different colored jacket. Because, yeah, that's where you know that, like, you know, they're doing they're doing this kind of throwback style. I think the results were better than the previous, uh, than episode six, where they tried that bit, because... Oh, yeah. The story, definitely. the stories weren't quite as stupid. And, okay, episode 12... 
episode 12 had was actually really cool with its Goemon focus. Yeah, episode 12 did definitely have a... a I liked a lot more about it, um, but I still had some issues with it. We'll, we'll start with episode 11, which has uh, the more obvious problems. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very heavily focused on Lupin and um, Fujiko, uh, and the issue with that is that uh, it has a lot of Fujiko being naked and or sultry and Lupin being a constant horn dog, which is the worst element of Lupin's character. I I don't think is a controversial opinion to have. No, from the first time I saw Lupin, Lupin's always wanted a uh, yes. Yeah, it's it's just a really annoying sort of gimmick of his and I kind of like you can do femme fatale as well but Fujiko is far too often like misused um, in this show and episode 11 is definitely one of those that does not treat her very well Um, also just in general like the like the the overall plot of the episode wasn't all that interesting either and the resolution was like kind of weird too yeah they went in for kind of like like supernatural element which was uh kind of dumb yeah it sort of comes out of nowhere too because it's because like all of a sudden at the end of the episode he's like oh yeah the illusion was listed they're all they're all actually like junkers i'm like wait what like when when was this an element yeah, um, that, that's kind of... There was, like, zero setup to that supernatural part. It felt out of place for a Lupin, for a Lupin episode. Yeah, and, like, that'd be... Like, it'd be fine to have a, a more supernatural episode, but, like, there was just no setup or uh, intimation that there would be anything out of the ordinary going on. Like, up until that moment, it was a Lupin episode like any other. Um... Yeah, without without any hint that there would be anything supernatural happening. So it, yeah, it just is completely jarring. Although seeing um, a collection of like seeing a collection of like vintage cars in the jungle like that was like, you know, my first impression was that's kind of stupid. Um, yeah, it's a weird place to store them. Gonna get really rusty at the very least. Yeah, and then it turned out, <laughs> oh yes, yes, they did in fact rust. <laughs> and, yeah. They did, in fact, rust, and, you know, the only, and the only reason, like, they were even drivable was ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just initially chalked up to, chalked up the, uh, uh, the cars to being in, in a jungle as just, like, a sort of loop-on flair for the dramatic, because, like, yeah, of course the villain stores his cars in a jungle cave. He's the villain. <laughs> Villains do weird shit like that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it was intentional. It, who knows? It's, it's a weird episode. There's not, uh, there's, there's some fun moments, but ultimately it's really not that good. And it's one in an ever-growing series of episodes that just treats Fujiko like eye candy instead of a rival to Lupin. So it gets a two from me. I'll give it a three. Um... 
It was watchable. Thankfully, it was watchable. Better than number, yeah. better than episode six. But. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, episode twelve uh, is significantly better, um, though still kind of has its issues. Uh, for one thing, it is focused entirely, almost entirely, on Goemon, who is my favorite Lupin character. So that certainly helps. Um, and another thing, like it has Goemon, like interacting, like in fun ways with the characters. He's basically going to... I think he's in France, I want to say. Yes, it's in France at an anime convention. Yeah, during a French anime convention, which is hilarious. So, like, there's a bunch of, like, kids and other people cosplaying, basically. Uh, um, including some Power Rangers. Uh, or, I guess, Sentai, more accurately. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the I like the kid... Who dresses up as a ninja? He's got some good interactions with uh, Goemon. Um, I think the thing that disappoints me most about this episode was I was hoping that Goemon would have a little more interactions with, I believe it's Chloe. Well, is her fake name, I guess? Yeah. Um, I figured he would have more time spent with her because that kind of seemed to be like what the ultimate point of the episode would be is to sort of like have Goemon kind of like loosen up a bit and let himself be vulnerable around a, pr a pretty lady that he kind of feels attracted to. Uh, but ultimately that kind of doesn't really happen. Um, or at the very least, like the interaction they, they do get doesn't feel all that significant or meaningful. Um, so it kind of just leaves us with an episode where Goemon hangs out in France during an anime convention and, like, um, occasionally, like, is a bodyguard who's getting far too little sleep. Uh, and, and Lupin just and treats him just awfully. Like, Lupin is a gigantic asshole in this episode. Like, Lupin has sort of always been a jerk. Um, to varying degrees, but he's just the worst in this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh yeah, and, oh, the other thing, uh, besides getting too little sleep, uh, is Goemon spending way too much money. Uh, yeah. Because that's actually the title. It was, the, the title of the episode was, uh, uh Goemon's Extravagance. <laughs> because... Because he keeps on having to spend money for everything. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a... I thought that was a, a cute running gag. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. It, it makes, uh, it makes um, Lupin even more of a jerk, though. Because, like, he had Goemon do this job for, like, no pay. Like, even if he hadn't spent anything, uh, like, he still would have come out like, uh, he still wouldn't have gotten anything from it because the, the trinket ended up being fake. Uh, right. So, yeah, so, like, basically just, he sent him there for no reason, essentially. Well, um, uh, it was, it was because, uh, yeah, it was because the fake Chloe was a decoy. Uh, while the real Chloe was, uh, actually selling was actually selling off her trinket. Uh, which, 
Yeah. I thought that was actually pretty funny. I thought that was a pretty funny, uh, a pretty funny reveal. It was kind of a funny reveal, um, but also, like, I was kind of hoping, I was kind of hoping for more of a catharsis for Goemon in this episode, and he sort of doesn't get it at all. Um, so it, it sort of ends on a somewhat disappointing note, I think, um, which is why I, I uh, which is why I kind of want to I give it a three, even though I do really like Goemon in it, um, because ultimately it it never really has has a payoff, at least to me. I'm gonna give it a four. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So finally, let's talk about Megalobox episodes ten and eleven. Um, Hmm. I'm still enjoying Megalobox, uh, but also it's starting to sort of get a little repetitive with its story beats. Um, though I think it, I, th- I think it's, I think that's mostly an issue with episode ten. Uh, episode eleven is stronger, I would say, and uh, especially because it kind of completes. Uh, the character arc for uh, Joe's coach. Nanbu. Yeah, uh, like it, it's because like, like Joe because he like he was sort of introduced as this guy who kind of cared like he does care about Joe, but also at the same time like he prioritizes sort of money over like Joe's desires and like emotional needs um and he justifies this he justifies it to be to himself by saying like oh we we need this to survive we got to be pragmatic um and this episode was kind of the breaking point for him and justifying the things he puts joe through uh, where he decides that no, it's this hat like the things I've done to Joe have not been worth it, and it's time to stop, you know, buying this fallacy that if I just keep allowing Joe to be abused, that things will eventually get better. Um, and he completely rejects it and sacrifices for it with his remaining eye. Uh, and it's a really good character beat. Um, so I, I definitely think that 11 was the stronger of the bunch. Um, but also I do feel like particularly the fights are being to get repetitive for me. Uh, yeah, in terms of, uh, in terms of these, like, like once you will, like when you're in the fight, like, in, inside the fights, like, the strategies and tactics, they haven't really mixed it up that much. It's always been, it's always been, like, the mindset that, the mindset that they bring to the fight before they get in the ring. That's the real, the real drama. And. Yeah. Yeah, and that aspect, I think, worked better. Work, it works better than like the fights themselves. 
Yeah, at this point, I'm definitely watching it more for the character beats than I am for the actual boxing matches, though hopefully episode 12 changes that because it is sort of the fight that this entire series has been leading up to. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see if uh, Megalobox sort of sticks the landing. Um, because it's been a pretty pretty solid show so far. It's it certainly stumbled in places, but overall has been like pretty fun. Um, so how how it ends, I like can really make or break a show. So you're hoping hey. so I'm I'm crossing my fingers. So you're hoping that it doesn't throw the fight. <laughs> yes, yes, that is that is a good joke and also thematically appropriate. Well. It's- there's been a lot of boxing shows about, you know, and I'm not kept up with it, but just, you know, like Rocky and the rest of them says, well, you know, take the dive, take this, take that. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. that's actually what episode 11 was about. So you know your boxing cliches. Well, <laughs> I've been around the block once or twice, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it would be interesting. I might watch the last episode just to see what, how it, transpires with you guys but yeah it's uh well rocky was never well rocky was never into that aspect of it uh no but i'm saying it it was just the first boxing video that i could or show that i could think of off the top of my head i'm sure that i've seen it elsewhere throughout time and memoria or baseball or slightly older than dirt or anything you want to use but yeah it's uh it's a cliche, you know, Rocky yeah. throw the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll yeah, make a bunch think. of money. Well, Rocky was never under that kind of pressure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking that Rocky. I'm talking a, a general boxer named Rocky and, and you know, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. But, yeah, it's just like. Yeah. Take a dive. Right. Yeah. We won't shoot your sister if you do. Yeah. Well, those nice Those nice words in a boxing ring. Yeah, that whole yeah. Oh yeah, that, I mean that's what uh, that's the stuff that boxing that's the stuff that boxing anime are made of. Uh, at least at, at least this kind in this kind of vein. But yeah, anyway, I'm still on board for this show. Uh, eh. Although yeah, the uh, the, like the the. The, like the action in the ring has not been the best. I'm going to give uh, these episodes fours. Uh, I'm going to give episode ten a three and eleven a four. Uh, and I believe that will do it for our reviews. I I saw a comment, but I'm not sure if we've already talked about it. Let's find out. It's, from the Dragon Vor Z episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, Dayriff, um, let's see here. Dayriff left a comment about um, possibly rethinking the BakaCast format uh, since I have been not so great about keeping up with, uh, make, uh, keeping up with um, near where uh, episodes were actually airing um 
So Dara says one major selling point for Bakugas, at least for me, was that it kept very close to uh, close to up to date on seasonal anime, allowing me to listen along with the Baka crew and react to discussion recently. Uh, aired episodes while they were still fresh in my memory. The timel- the timeliness of the podcast was very cool, allowing listeners to feel like we were in on a real-time discussion of anime and speculate with the hosts on where things were going in shows. I really like that. The move to only recording an episode every two weeks hurts that, but it could have, but it still could have kind of worked if the episodes came out immediately after they, they were recorded. The much bigger issue is, is that Dustin's time commitments apparently mean that he can't edit podcasts immediately and has to wait and do several all at once, meaning that VodkaCast episodes are stale by the time they come out. Uh, I really don't want this to come across as entitled or whiny. Of course, this is something you all are doing as a hobby and you don't anyone, don't owe anyone anything and you should prioritize stuff however you want. All I'm saying is that the current way things are shaking out is not supporting VodkaCast as an ongoing review of currently airing seasonal anime. If you want that to work, I think you need to find some way to put episodes out much quicker after they are recording. Maybe Larry or Ben could take over editing duties if they want to give it a try. Uh, maybe there's a Baka super fan who could help out. I don't know. Alternately, alternately, you could retool what the podcast is aiming for and back away from the idea of it as a real-time review of seasonal anime. Make it into something else. Uh, or I could guess you could decide. Or I guess you could decide it's fine as long as it's real time for you when you're recording, and the audience experience just isn't that important. That's your right too. I just want to share how it's working from a listener expect- perspective. Um, that is something I was certainly worrying about. Uh, what with um, how my uh, uploading timelines have worked out, it, it was certainly something I was concerned uh, would be an issue. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm both glad and also not so glad to see that my fears were, uh, not unfounded. Uh, but I do, I don't think it's like entitled or whiny to say that, uh, the way that Vodkacast is working now doesn't necessarily work for how it originally started. Um, I think that's a perfectly reasonable criticism to have, and it's something I ha- I myself has have been rethinking, uh, just because uh, I less and less I'm having the desire to do sort of uh, like weekly episodic reviews, um, because I'm slowly realizing I like. It's funny because when we started BakaCast, we did, uh, back when it was just me and Larry and John, and we sort of did it as a spur spur of the moment thing, uh, we would more talk about um, sort of important anime news and uh, do more deep dives into already completed shows so that we could talk about the shows as a whole. Um, and sort of ironically, I've been thinking of going back more to that sort of format, uh, just cause it would, not only would I, it, would it, I think work better for, um, my schedule and for the way that I like to review things. And I think for the way that most of us are comfortable reviewing things, uh, cause it, it gives us more to discuss i I think we're at our best when we talk about more self-contained things or at the very least like bigger chunks of episodes uh and also just because it will make timeliness less much less of a concern 
uh, if the point of the podcast is more to be a deep dive on a few particular shows rather than a sort of weekly like, hey, check out what happened this week sort of format. So, like, Darif, don't feel bad at all about uh, uh, making that comment. I think it's totally reasonable. Uh, and like I said, it's it's something I have myself been considering. I just haven't really said anything until now. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think I think I think you make a very good point. Unfortunately, I have no skill at editing. Yeah, well, I I don't think that's like I would still want to maintain control of editing the podcast. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's been but, your podcast from square one. So yeah, I mean, it, this would be like you know, uh, uh, firing yeah. the producer in the middle of the show and saying, "Oh yeah, here you guys have at it." But 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 no no no, <laughs> yeah. it's it's okay. I mean, you, yeah. you can't you can't screw it up any worse. No, that doesn't how that works. <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing. It, well, yeah, but the thing is that even if you know. You know, even if you're willing to hand over the reins, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I ultimately, like, if you're faced with a choice between having someone else take on editing duties in order to um, keep doing a review format that I, like, am really losing, losing enthusiasm with, um, it would be it would be a lot better to just change to a format that I think we all would still be comfortable with, possibly more like most likely even more comfortable with, um, that would also make the make my erratic schedule in terms of editing not really matter as much. No. Real life is one thing. And this is what you're. Uh, I kind of, I kind of figured once you guys got old enough and started working, because we kind of sort of had this discussion in Arizona a few years back, that uh, you know eventually there was going to come a day where commitments over everything else were going to start taking precedent. And I have slowly over the years just sat here and watched it chug along, and it's now to the point where okay, it's time to do a little rethinking. I think. Yeah. I think uh, starting next season. Uh, we should probably switch up the format. Yeah, I think so. Um, and if that means not doing weekly reviews of next season and, and waiting to talk about some of those shows until they're done, I think that's fine. Um, in fact, like there have been plenty of shows where we have said, oh yeah, we should definitely check that out. We should definitely talk about that on the podcast. We should, uh, I should marathon that. Um, it's like stuff we've missed. Yeah, uh, that that really deserve and the line is long and attention. distinguished. Let me tell you. Yeah, and and I think like going to a more uh, a format that's more we pick a few shows, we watch them all through, and then we discuss them uh, would be a better use of our time and also let us to be more and also let us be more sort of picky about what we choose and also also prevent us from getting into the problem of like oh we picked this show it looks good oh wait it actually is terrible at the end yeah. so <laughs> that, that's the thing we have run across we've run across i mean we've had some surprises but we've run across a bunch of shows that we were oh yeah this will be great and three episodes in we're all ready to pitch it but we're committed to finishing the season because that's how the format of the show is well 
Okay, even a show that ends up terrible still might be worth talking about. Yeah, can still be worth discussing. But not absolutely. on a weekly basis. Um, yeah. But it lets, it, yeah, it just lets us be more picky about, like, what... Because, right. I mean, like, we... During the... Um, some of the early episodes of Bakacast, one of the things we reviewed was Kashurn Sins, which was a show that I had already watched all of. It wasn't a perfect show. It was absolutely, like, flawed. Um, but we, I think we all came away from Kashurn Sins being like, you know, I'm glad we, I think we all came away from that glad we, that we were glad we watched it because it was a fascinating show that had like interesting things to say. It didn't already, and it didn't always succeed. Um, but it was like, it was fun to discuss and talk about it. It was worth watching regardless of its flaws. Uh, so, and, and also just like, I, I do think we all are, are, I'm not sure if you agree, but I think we're all at our best when we are talking about like one season or two seasons, two seasons of anime at a time. So that way we can talk about them from a more overarching view and, and sort of talk about their structure and what works, what doesn't rather than sort of these episodic style okay. well, and the, right. the, the other thing that i see is if we're discussing something that's already been out that means our listeners have watched it they've seen it too and so it's like okay well you know i thought it was okay i wonder what these guys thought about it uh, well they kind of liked it uh, oh they pointed that out well wait a minute did i no i missed that well i'm glad i listened to this because uh, they pointed out something that sorry. yeah uh, so uh, that's also another benefit is that uh, you know, doing a more deep dive allows us to talk about things that you know don't necessarily get discussed uh, during um, on the spot like weekly reviews. Uh, it's definitely something we'll we'll need to consider, and also uh, we'll have to figure out like how we're going to do our choices. Refine um, too. Refine is a good word. yeah. Which like we're not gonna. We're not going to waste time discussing that on the podcast because that's going to be super boring. Uh, but yeah, we will. Uh, I, I do think we need to reconsider just based on the time commitments that, like, we all have now of how best to. Right. Uh, how best to structure the podcast. Especially when to you take a season like, with that. like this previous. Like this season we're on now where there was like 12 or 13 good shows. You know, we can't review them all, but we want to watch some of them. But you gotta you gotta start picking and choosing. Well, we're reviewing this, but I really like watching this. But if I watch this, I'm gonna definitely when I sit down to talk, I'm gonna be thinking about it instead of what I just wanted. Yeah, one of the things I've been considering is having like a special guest on. Well, because one of the things I wanted to do, but it, it just felt redundant with BakaCast was sort of pick an anime for 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 one of my friends who doesn't necessarily watch a whole lot of anime you know to to see with me and then like sort of have their perspective as well when when discussing it like what you inflicted upon luke oh excuse me yeah kind of except except more except for more like serious discussion rather than just for like you know kicks and giggles uh and like switching to a, a different format would kind of allow me to combine 
that as well. Like uh, instead of just us, us three plus the occasional Aaron, uh, have a guest along as well for maybe some episodes if I can, you know, uh, uh, yeah, and if I can come up with a good show and friend pairing to sort of have an outsider perspective of, you know, a particular show. Uh, oh yeah, that's, so yeah, I, I've I've got some ideas. Yeah, um, I think they're worth discussing, but you're right. On air is not the place to discuss these at the moment. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, ladies and gentlemen, it, welcome to the planning session. Uh, we're going to tell you everything yeah, we're going to exactly. do, and then we're going to well, do the opposite. Yeah, going to take some minutes. Uh, but yeah, so if if y'all have any ideas for uh, stuff you'd like to see us do, uh, feel free to uh, leave comments on our blog uh, or send us emails at bakacast at projecthari.net or tweet me at still to the GM. Or tweet, um, or, I'm definitely, uh, or tweet me at DeathSlinky. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely interested in, in hearing your ideas as well. Uh, you know, I, I don't want it to just be us three sitting around talking about what we want to do. Yeah, yeah, y'all know where to find me. You just post, post, post. And just remember one thing. Uh, the word censor is a little sensitive, so try to keep your language PG-13 so I don't have to root around for a week trying to find where your comment got ate or try not to overly post something where it thinks it's spam. Yeah, Discus is, uh, is trigger-happy enough as it oh, is with filtering those messages. Uh, trigger-happy? <laughs> no, that's not a word I would use, but this is a PG-13 podcast. Okay. Uh, you guys anyway. say you guys say bye bye, and I'll catch up with you in a second. Yeah, so that'll be it for this episode of Pockycast. Pockycast. Pockyman Cast. Oh yeah. Yeah, Pockycast is the spinoff of Pockycast. It's all about foreign uh, <laughs> treats. Oh my god. It's just it's just Ben and I just eating various foreign candy. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, then Dustin three, two, one. Kirabush. Oh, enjoy anime because terrestrial TV still is bad. <laughs> <laughs>